You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Money to debate a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up. Help! All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. This, this is a show where we talk about anything that moves money, not only in the U.S., but globally, from real estate to the stock markets social media and governments believe it or not all of what i mentioned including social media has played their role in the flow of attention and money globally and right now tonight the nation is focused intently on the final debate in this heated u.s presidential debate uh which in my opinion has become more of a mudslinging escapade which has either that swayed voters either closer to uh to uh, who's running or further away from one of the candidates. I know politics can get dirty, but come on. In a presidential race, especially in this day and age, we need facts, not fiction, so that voters can actually make an informed decision as opposed to an emotional one. This is is no doubt, you know, you have a lot of emotion that's going on uh, throughout these campaigns since inception. And the debate tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, which takes place at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida. And the focus is foreign policy, but I'm pretty sure that these students there at Lynn University and the same that happened at Hofstra in New York, they are going to be more concerned with jobs and increases in their tuition, uh, you know, above foreign policy. I mean, well, unless it's bringing jobs back to the United States. Now, with that said, uh, we, we were talking about Florida. Our first guest tonight is coming to us from the great state of Florida. He is a real estate investor. He's an author of the, uh, the book, The Ultimate Guide to First-Time Home Buying, which uh, actually is a uh, big thing because you have a lot of first-time home buyers that are out there. Okay, so uh, we're going to bring him on the show. His name, his name is Rob Noel, so welcome, Rob, to the show. All right, Rob, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. How are you? Good evening, Lou. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Thank you. Now, uh, why don't you uh, let our listeners know a little bit about you, because you, your, your background is pretty interesting. And moreover, you know, uh, I mentioned uh, Lynn University at the beginning of the show and what's going on there with the uh, the youth and you know, the students. They're worried about jobs and everything. And you kind of fit into that, you know, because you're not too far away from where they're at right now. Correct, correct, Lou. Uh... A little bit about me. I I grew up here in South Florida. Uh, I I'm an '80s baby, and uh, I, I I've noticed and and followed the the economic boom that we had uh, into the '90s. I I went into college, and at about 2000 year 2005, uh, we started investing in real estate. My father, uh, my brothers, and a couple outside investors, uh, and I've always been been following the market. And and I, I've seen I I, uh, I actually predicted that. 
the, that some of these property values were inflated. Uh, and I, I told I told a couple of people about it back in back in the early two, back in 2005 2004. And uh, I read a lot about uh, a lot of investors. And uh, Rod, I don't know if you read Robert Kiyosaki. He, he also predicted that uh, we, we'd have a housing bust as well. And uh, and and it came true. I believe we got into a lot of this mess with uh, with folks not just not being financially uh, intelligent. I, I believe uh, for for lack of a better word, that you know they don't teach these things in school. Uh, well, it, it would be you know them being informed. Correct. You know, they, correct. They, uh, yeah, because they, they weren't properly informed as they were going through. Because you had a lot of free money going all over the place, and it was easy to get it. Oh my goodness! Easy to get it. Uh, you have you have banks who just who just toss the money around. There's a there's a flow of money that's been going on pretty much from uh, just a, just a pool, you know, billions of dollars of hot money. It 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 went over. Uh, these are the petrodollars. Uh, I'm sure you know of it. Uh, that that went over into into uh, Eastern Europe, uh, caused a, a a boom and a bust there. Went over to Latin America, caused a boom and a bust there. Uh, uh, the U- United States took that money, and as you can see, you see what happened to it. Uh, also, now we have uh, Great Britain, who now has, uh, you know, we just have billions of dollars floating out there. So they started borrowing by the by the billions, and uh, and we're seeing what's going on with their with their economy as well. So, uh, go ahead. Uh, what I was what I was going to say is that you you hit the nail on the head that this is not. This is not uh, just a problem in the U.S., and it hasn't been. This has been a global issue that's been bouncing around from country to country. It's just that no one chose to worry about it when it was somewhere else until it hit home. Correct, correct. It's uh, it's uh, it, it, it's American greed. <laughs> I mean, at its finest. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if if someone's giving out money, and uh, and you're able to take these these free dollars and and, and lend them out at ridiculous interest rates uh and, and make a profit on it we're thinking short term as opposed to as opposed to long term uh, you mentioned it in regards to politics uh i agree with you with the, with the with the mudslinging and and uh and these guys you know taking a lot of dirty shots uh, i'm not going to express my political view views but mm-hmm. i would like to i would like to hear more about the housing market uh in these in these debates you haven't you haven't heard much about housing, and we know so much of our economy depends on depends on housing. I mean, it's you know it's 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 dependent on people moving up. Uh, we have no, no matter what the the unemployment uh, level is or whatever the whatever the unemployment unemployment rate is right now, I think it's about seven point eight percent. You're not going to see the same effect on GDP as you would see with uh, with the housing market recovery. Um, and look, when people, when when you have the housing market recovering, okay, that means that the flow of money is happening. You have more construction happening. You have more jobs being created. You know, everything is a, is a is a cycle. You know, it's it's well, actually not a cycle, but a circle. Okay, where one thing affects another, and you kind of need that to, to for, for the whole machine to move. Um, and you know, and small business, and you and I spoke about it off air about small business, how small business, the United States, we were, we built this country on small business. Uh, we, we grew, 
manufacturing, so on and so forth. We went from a man being becoming a man from a manufacturing being a manufacturing nation to becoming a service nation. Okay, and that's where we're at right now. Now, small business, you know, if I mean for me, I think that that is part of the key. The housing, of course, is a very important, but people need money. Exactly. In, in order exactly. to do to do this. You you hit it on the head and, and, and for a lot of these for a lot of these businesses to start, uh you have you have you have tons of uh, of money out there and you have tons of people underwater. What if the there's a simple solution to, to our housing market, um which would in turn put money back into the economy. Uh consumers would be able to go out and spend more dollars at, at local businesses and, and businesses would, would be able to hire more people. It it's a simple solution. Uh, they don't they don't talk about many solutions with the housing recovery. I think both uh, both our candidates want to stay even killed and and sort of toward the middle and, and and not really brush on on the true needs of of the housing markets for us to see a, a full recovery. Everyone, uh, you know, there's a certain percentage of people that don't, that own homes in the United States, and and you need the market. You need it. housing is dependent on people moving up. At these prices we're seeing now, you have the folks that are able to purchase homes. At, at $200,000 that were once, you know, five years ago, 500000 bucks, And, you know, you purchase them on, at, at 50 cents on a dollar. It, it, it's ridiculous. But a lot of these folks that are in homes now need to be given the option. They need to be, uh, they need to be given the option to be able to, to move up into something maybe a, bit, a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger. And uh, in, 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 the, in the way we can do that, in, in Florida, uh, about 33% of mortgages are underwater. And what the federal government needs to step in and do is provide that. Let's say we have a home for two hundred thousand dollars. That if the the, the the homeowner owes two hundred thousand on that home, but the home is only valued at one fifty, what the government can do is they can come in for that extra fifty grand. That that deficiency, they can ensure that deficiency. Maybe they'll they'll take a payment on it of you know however much per month or, or however they want to do it. But if the government can ensure that that deficiency, you, you have folks that are able to sell their homes. You have folks that are able to move into maybe a, a nicer home, or or, or or whichever it may be, to to be able to spur that economy, uh, spur the market. We have we have investors coming into South Florida right now. Ninety percent of the investors coming into Miami are purchasing houses cash. The average uh, condo sale in, in in certain areas of Miami are upwards of seven hundred thousand dollars cash. These investors are coming in. From Brazil, from uh, from Mexico, from from a lot of these countries, uh, uh, Jamaica, uh, the Bahamas, a lot of these investors are coming in and purchasing cash. So there's not a, it's not a lack of money, but it, it, it's a it's just a lack of, of structure in the way we're doing things. And uh, and I, I think we'd have a a, a, a great uh, significant impact on the economy if we were able to to do that. And, and, and like you said, on small businesses, because we know small businesses are spurred by by that. You know, each individual middle class person going out and being able to to spend their dollar on the market. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Rob, you're you're in Florida, and that, you know, uh, you have a lot of insight to what has transpired because Florida was was one of the states that got hit the hardest, along with the you know yeah. with uh, Michigan, Detroit. You know, uh, I mean, you got you got a lot of people hard hit. Now, let, let me ask you this. You know, mm-hmm. just for your insight. Now they they claim that now mortgage defaults have dropped dramatically over the past couple of quarters. Now, if that's a fact, 
Do you think that's because not? Uh, do you think that's because people just can't afford to leave, or are they? Or, or, or is there is there some phantom recovery that we don't know about? <laughs> phantom recovery. <laughs> well, uh, what we're seeing a lot of as well is uh, we're seeing a lot of people go into going to some of these uh, situations, some of these default situations, and we're seeing them rectify rectify these mortgages. Uh, there are a lot of short sales on the market. Uh, realtors are going in. Uh, we, we have a lot of realtors that are that are really active uh, going in and, and, and speaking to homeowners and, and knocking on doors. And, uh, you know, in Florida we have 100,000 realtors. So, you know, imagine 100,000 people who are active. And, and, and don't get me wrong, we had, you know, throughout the United States we had 2 million realtors before the crash. After the crash, the ones that, that, that stayed, the ones that were efficient and, and productive, you know, half of the workforce, you know, dropped down to a million realtors in the uh, in the United States. So so in Florida, we have about 100,000 folks who are going out and actively seeking to help tenants and uh, homeowners, excuse me, homeowners who, who are underwater and, and, and who are able to get help through a short sale situation. Uh, so you I, know think, what? I think short sales has a big, has a big impact on, uh, on why we're seeing, uh, you know, defaults drop. People are realizing okay. that they're able to save their credit, uh, not, you know, fully save their credit, but, at least not have a foreclosure on 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 their record and, and go back out in two to three years and and purchase another home. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm glad that you said about and you made a, a point which I'm on a I want to highlight. You made a point mm-hmm. about uh, real estate brokers, real estate agents being able to have the knowledge to actually go help someone. You know, and you mentioned right. the numbers throughout the United States. You know, the reality is. I mean, you, you have a lot of people that are that are real estate agents and brokers that don't that don't understand what they're doing. They, they're doing it because maybe you know they just need a side job. They need to do something. So I think education and, and real estate uh, also helps. You know, people. You know, because if you help the person that's going to help people, if you you you, you kind of arm them with with enough information. Okay, for them to go help people, I think more people would get helped. Correct, and uh, and and that's why I wrote uh, I wrote a book, Lou, and uh, I, I talked to you before about about the book. It's uh, it's the mm-hmm. ultimate guide to first time home buying. And uh, like I told you, I'm I'm 25. I graduated uh, from Jacksonville University about three years ago in in the summer of 2009, and uh, and I went out and I bought a couple homes. And and one of the shocking things to me was to uh, to, to speak to some of my friends who were, who were graduating and, you know, some of the smartest people, uh, you know, the universities had to offer. And, and what I noticed with, with a lot of folks was that people just didn't have practical knowledge. They, a lot of people were really, really book smart, but but practical, uh, you know, financial education, they don't teach it in school. Uh, so, you know, you have, you have folks calling, you know, people like Susie Orman, asking Susie Orman, can they afford something, you know, can they afford a guitar that they want? And you know, no, not you know, not the you know, Susie Orman's doing a great job, but these people should be able to know whether they could afford something or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 a lot of folks, and, and that was part of the reason I wrote the book. These people were uninformed. I I had I talked to a couple people, and and I got a lot of Facebook messages of folks just asking, you know, I want I want to buy a condo. The condo's 150 grand. Uh, do I really need 
eighty grand to, to purchase this condo, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, where are you where are you getting this information from? And and some people, are, you know, they want to purchase something for a hundred grand, and they're thinking, how much do I have to put down? Do I do I need a hundred grand? Do I have to wait? Do I have to you know work five or ten years? And I'm you know I'm, I'm telling you folks, absolutely not. And it, it, it it's been so much, uh, I guess uh, so so much activity and, and, and inquiries about about home buying. I figured that I'd arm you know some of our first time home buyers, people who really aren't uh, willing to go out and, and, and seek this information or to take classes or uh, or just mm-hmm. this information just isn't I guess is readily accessible uh, to, to everyday people and uh, and I just wanted to arm them with with, with some tools to to be able to go out and, and, and make a conscious purchase and especially in this type mm-hmm. of market where where you have you know you have a young person graduating from college they're able to impact the economy they're able, they're able to go out and 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 get some value for themselves uh you know in the housing market and, and gaining assets and that's what I wanted to accomplish with my book uh you can find it on on smashwords www.smashwords.com it's uh also on Kindle it's a uh, it's an ebook uh it's an ebook not a uh not 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 a uh, hardbound or or copy so um, we're in a, we're in a digital world but man so an e an ebook is okay <laughs> most definitely i mean you know you, you you don't have the overhead of uh, you know these huge companies, uh, these distribution companies taking taking all your profits. <laughs> yeah, but that that's what happens because you you know you're printing and you know look a lot of you have a lot of publications that are going straight digital. You know uh, in New right. York, uh, I believe it's Newsday. They're going straight digital. I think Newsweek is looking to do the same thing. You know so you have publications that are doing that. So you're on the right path. That that much I right. will tell you. You know and now Rob. You, you, you're in Florida, right? So right. Let, let me ask you this, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, when everything, when when the, the housing bubble bursted and Florida got hit hard, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of people, not only did they lose their homes, they lost their jobs. And you mentioned earlier about the federal having some sort of forgiveness uh, package, so to speak, where they can actually mm-hmm. help a, a homeowner to to go and if they want to sell the house, sell it, and then work some, some sort of deal out with the federal government to pay back the rest of it. I, I don't know how that would work. But now the state of Florida, you know, at this point, in your in your eyes, your perspective, do you see a recovery happening there? Most definitely. Okay. Most definitely. Right. Uh, in 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 Miami in Miami alone. Uh, we're seeing median sales prices uh, over the last uh, 15 months or so. Uh, we've seen an increase in the last 15 months uh, with condos. Uh, we've seen a, a 36% increase uh, to, to about up to $150,000 uh, from 2011 in condos in condo sales and home sales. Uh, uh, Ten consecutive months of increase. Uh, the median the median sale price is, is up 8.6% up to $190,000. Uh, we're definitely seeing seeing a, a uh, a recovery in the housing market in, in Florida, uh, especially in South Florida. We have Miami, as you know, is, is an international hub for uh, uh-huh. for investors, and, and we have we have folks coming in from Canada, from Europe, from Latin America, from the Caribbean, uh, folks coming in, and, and 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 this is a place for them to store their money. We have you know we have a lot of folks that are coming in from the Middle East who who want to invest in in three percent interest uh, in in. in in in, uh, in the United States and, and in South Florida especially, we have folks outside of, outside of the United States who believes more 
in the United States than, than some of our people believe in you know believe in our country. So it's uh, it's amazing what. Well, that's sad though. That, that's sad when we, we, we because mm-hmm. look, I mean I like your your governor, okay? You know he's actually trying to draw jobs. He's trying to draw industry to the state of Florida. Okay, right. he's looking. He's looking to create jobs. He's not worried about the rest of the country. He's worried about what's happening in his backyard. You know, right. so he's looking to build stuff. And that, and and I know that uh, just just scouring certain parts of Florida. You know, you're you're you, from from Miami on down. You gave those facts and figures. But I also know going towards and you're going towards the west that also the recovery is happening there because you've had houses that were selling, maybe you know. Forty, fifty, sixty thousand. That now all of us now, as time went on, they're at a hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and twenty, and they just they just they're starting to gradually go back up because I think, as you mentioned, you had a half million dollar house that was selling at you know like two hundred to two hundred fifty grand. Okay, that's what happened. Everything got slammed. So now, little by little, the recovery is transpiring over there, and that that's great. And hopefully. You know, um, other uh, ailing states uh, would probably, you know, take Florida as an example of, you know, taking, you know, look, take accountability, accountability for your state and try to, you know, help help that ha- housing market uh, build up again. You know, because it can. You know, it has to do with, you know, jobs and small business. And as long as the money's flowing and get investors in there to help build up. You know, and then you well, can get things done. You have, you have, uh, you know, you know, a big part of it as well is is what the what the banks, uh, Bank of America, was taking about, uh, I believe since 2011. I, I want to make sure I get my my figures right here. I'm thinking about five months, a little over five months to, to sell a foreclosure. Uh, and in 2012, now it's taken a little over six months to sell, to get a foreclosure off of your books, and. And 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 it's just from you know from putting it on the market until that property is off the market. And what what we're seeing from 2011 from two, in, uh, to 2012 is that Bank of America is doing uh, a worse off job than they were doing the, the previous year. We have uh, some other smaller banks that are more nimble and able to to, to get in and, and get these houses and uh, and these condos off the books in a month or two. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that's what we need to see the bigger banks come in and do the the, the foreclosure. Uh, picture. If I could, if I could paint a picture for you, it, it's like a uh, like a like an iceberg, almost, mm-hmm. where we we only see the tip that's above the water, but there are so many foreclosures that are that are below that 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 the banks still have, or that the banks have to take from the from the clients that they're going to put back on the market, and uh, the banks can can spur that can spur the economy uh, if, if they're more efficient uh, with their structure and you know with their with their system, but at the same time, they, they can't put out too many properties because it'll it'll deplete the values and, and saturate the market. So the banks are yeah, playing a, a seesaw game here as well. Well, I think that with the banks, I know that they have their uh, foreclosure departments and they also have the ability to go uh, work out deals to sell these properties. The problem is, and I'm going to speak frankly because, you know, this is what the show is about, people being informed with reality, not not with, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, I'm more interested in fact than fiction, okay? And the fact of the matter is when you have banks and they're bankers, 
They're bankers. You're banking. You're 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 you're, you're a bank. You're a banker. All right. Um, they got in. They got into the financial arena. Uh, they got involved in the stock market. They started started taking brokerage firms and and started integrating that into what they were doing. Now, and the reason I say that is because with all these foreclosures, what they're doing, they're bankers that understand money. Okay. Now they have to sell these things. So who do they depend on? They designate certain real estate brokers to handle certain things, okay? They, they designate you to handle certain things, but guess what? They're depending on these brokers to go and, and help fix the houses and sell them, and then, they, then they'll get whatever they get on top of that, okay? And that's how, that's how things are going. Now, as opposed to them putting together a structure saying, hey, we have all these foreclosures. We don't want to, you know, flood the market with – with the housing, then all of a sudden, you know, everything starts coming out further because supply and demand. You have more houses on the market, guess what? People have to choose, and there'll be more bargaining, and they're, they're going to knock things down as far as they can knock it down to get a better price. Uh, but I think that the banks, in my opinion, that they should have some sort of unit. The federal government should have some sort of real estate unit to handle this stuff to avoid a collapse. You know, because if you, as you said, there's a tip of the iceberg, the other foreclosures coming along, you know, what's going to happen if those things come to market? That would be a problem. Exactly. And, and, and there, I, I, I disagree with you on, on one point. I don't think we should, uh, I don't think we should, we should bring the federal government into play uh, in, in, in regards to that. I believe that we have enough professionals in the workforce, uh, enough entrepreneurs, enough uh, investors all across the board. Uh, when you're talking about just uh, wholesale flips, uh, and, and then you're talking about fix and flips, and, and, and then, we're, then we get into the bigger, uh, into the bigger commercial real estate rehabs, and, 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 and we're talking about bringing in real estate brokers and, and, and all these folks coming together. These folks really know, uh, they really know what they're doing. And, and, and for the banks to, to come out and, and, and to put these properties on the market so slowly, it, uh, it, you know, it stops, it stops the recovery because you have, you have uh, just in South Florida, you have so many people, thousands of, you know, dozens. Uh, of thousands of people who, who are looking for these properties to pop back on the market, so that they're able to they're, they're able to do it. Let's say just uh, for example, to paint a picture again, uh, if you have a, a, a let's say a property that the bank's putting back on the market, uh, it was foreclosed on. The bank puts it back on the market for fifty grand. You have a wholesaler mm-hmm. who goes in. You have a wholesaler who goes in uh, who, who finds these properties, whether whether they market it by uh, you know by calling, whether whether they're doing it, whether they're driving around. Uh, and I, I know these things because I've, I've done them all. Uh, uh, they also have a, a, a people that are called bird dogs, and what they do is they find these properties for these investors. They don't touch them; they just find them for a fee. They give it to an investor. That investor will will, will flip that property from fifty to fifty-five. You have another investor who will take that property. Uh, they may do a touch-up or something. They'll sell it for seventy thousand, and then you have another investor who comes in, does a full rehab on the property. And they'll put it back on the market for 125, 150, 130, 130,000, and, and you have everyone there who who had a, who had a, a a part in that process. You have realty companies who come in and, and put it back on the market, and that's how you spur the economy. And, and, and in my opinion, that's what that's what's holding the economy back uh, in the housing market. Uh, not so, so you, not giving everyone a chance to to, to 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 touch a piece of the pie. So so Rob, you think that it's probably it's better. For them to let everything just come out, let it happen. No, 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 and get it not, 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 not come out. Just not just uh, put all the properties back on the market because, like I told you, there are, there are tons of properties that 
that the banks have, but to do a better job with with putting them out on the market and and to mm-hmm. hire someone who's who's skilled, maybe maybe uh, you know a seasoned investor who's been in the business twenty thirty years, and 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 to, and to have these folks come out and, and 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 you know to hire the proper people to to put these houses back on the market, and, and then you're able to put them out at a, a more steady pace and, and have them move, have these properties move, and we'd see a we'd see a, a huge turnaround. Uh, also, along with with what I what I said of earlier of uh, ensuring the uh, the deficiency the deficiencies on those uh, on those mortgages, and then I think that would be a big thing too. Is as we talked about the federal government coming in and doing something to help these homeowners because you know there there are a lot of moving parts, Rob, uh, in this whole system. And you know, yeah, you're right. The banks need to do something more productive in order to you know clean up try to help clean up the mess because you do have investors out there that are looking for this stuff. Okay. They're looking for these properties. They're looking for these opportunities and the banks are just, they just have them there. You know, you know, they should put it, they should put together some sort of structure that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and that's something that they're lacking because as I said, you know, they're bankers. Okay. Get real estate, get a real estate professional in there. Or, uh, as you said, a seasoned investor that's been around the block through a couple of turnarounds and let them explain to you how it's done, and then you move from there. You know, look, I mean, Chase, you have Jamie Diamond at the helm of that bank. They do, I, I think they do a, a, a pretty decent job with their turnarounds. Right. Okay, right. They, the, way, the way their structure is is pretty sound. Now, Bank of America, other banks, I'm not too sure about. You know, but you mentioned Bank of America and when, how they're they're doing stuff. You know, um, again, right. if your numbers you're are, you're are going down, to, correct. Taking over six months to sell a foreclosure. Yeah, right now that, in, uh, in South Florida, the the absorption on real estate is about three months. You know, you, you wow. have a property right now. What what I like to call our market in in South Florida. I'm sure it, uh, the market is the same way in in, in other parts, but uh, as you know, real estate is local in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. I call it a, a a buyer's market, a, a seller's market at buyer's prices, mm. and that's what I call. It. And, and the reason why why I call it that is because you have buyers out there right now who are looking for property, qualified buyers who have their pre pre approval letters in hand. Uh, you know, I'm pre approved for a three hundred thousand dollar loan. I'm looking for this type of condo or this type of home in this type of area, and that property is not available. And once the property pops up for three hundred grand. You have five or six offers on it, and that person, that person who has that property, can't purchase that property. Why? Why can't that person pr- purchase that property? Because you have investors who come in, they have cash, and they're purchasing them. They're closing in a week or two. They, they don't even care about an inspection, and they put the property back on the market at three fifty for another, you know, for another retail buyer. But that person who had that three hundred thousand dollar loan now has to go back out on the market and has to drive around for the next month or two looking for a property. And, and this is going on. Uh, I, you know, I've spoken. Uh, I recently left a Mike Ferry seminar in South Florida, uh, in South Beach, and this is happening not only in South Florida. This is happening all over the country, and uh, and and that's what's going on. And that's why we need more properties on the market, uh, just because the properties are flying off the market. I recently put up a a, a property uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago. Uh, I put the property on the market. I didn't even get the pictures in yet. I was I was still headed. Uh, I was headed back to the office. Uh, to, to get the pictures, I had my iPad with me to put the pictures on the market. Before I even put the pictures on the market, Lou, I had four offers on the property. No one even saw the property. I didn't even open it open it up yet for uh, for viewing 
offers on the property. And that's what we're seeing, and that's why I say that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people out there who are looking to buy, who are looking to, to capitalize on these low interest rates, but but they're just not able to they're not able to do so. Uh, just because we we don't have enough properties on the market, and, uh, right. and that's why we need those realtors to come out and and and, and to prospect and to and to get those uh, those people who are looking to sell to sell. And we need to uh, mm-hmm. build that confidence back in back into our uh, into our homeowners that if if, if you're looking to, to if you're in a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home and and you have some equity in the property and, and you can afford a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, this is the time to do it. Not five years from now, because that same house isn't going to be worth. It's not going to be worth the same. So right now no. is time to move up and to move out of the home, the smaller home that you have, uh, if you can afford it, uh, and, and and to move up into something bigger and get a really really good deal on it. And then if you know if you if any first time homeowners out there or, or soon to be homeowners really want to get some serious input, you know, uh, Rob uh, Noel is the guy that's to talk to you know he yeah rob you, you just don't do stuff in florida you do stuff all over the all over the place you know so exactly. you can actually i mean you can give advice to anyone any first-time homeowners that are looking for that guidance because they do and, and, you, and you, you know we spoke about it earlier you need to be informed you need to be informed you need to know what you're doing you need to, to have some guidance and you know with your book and everything you're giving them a path to achieve their exactly. goals and, and and one thing I, I'm gonna do for you, Lou, uh, for your for your viewers uh, and, mm-hmm. and listeners as well, is uh, anyone who purchases the book, uh, it's it's on it's it's an ebook. It's on Smashwords.com. Uh, if anyone who purchases your book, uh, as long as they send me their receipt of purchase, uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll mentor that person and, and and coach that person through their first time, through their first uh, through their first home purchase. So uh, anyone right. who purchases uh, my book. Uh, and, and references your show, Lou. What we'll do is uh, I'll provide them my email address and and, uh, and my cell phone number. They can text me. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'll be able to get on the phone, but definitely a text or an email, and I'll be able to guide them through uh, the process of, of of you know appraisals, inspections, finding the right realtor. What what questions? I have 125 questions that uh, that that I can send to someone for them to ask their realtor, for them to find a proper realtor. Uh, and, and 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 with myself, Lou, what I do for folks. Is uh, in this book, I don't just tell you how to purchase a home uh, because I'm an investor. I-, I show you how to purchase the right home and at the right price, and something that'll that'll be able to give you value immediately, uh, and and of course for for years to come. So uh, purchase mm-hmm. the book www.smashwords.com, and uh, and I'll, I'll send me the, send me the copy of your receipt of of purchase, and I'll be able to send you uh, my email address and uh, and and and, for, and my cell phone number for you to text me as well. Well, that's very generous of you, Rob, for sure, you know, and anyone, I mean, I, you, the book, buying the book is one thing, but you personally mentoring them through this whole process, you know, you really can't put a price tag on it because that's, that's knowledge you'll take on with you for some time to come because you may want to buy another home and, hey, you know what, you have that knowledge so you can actually, you know, start moving forward if you want to do that stuff. But I, I do appreciate that, Rob. Now, before, you know, we have to take a break in a minute. Before we do that, why don't you let people know how they can they can find out about you, how they can reach out to you. I mean, I apologize. We didn't have a chance to go into your, your football career, what you did at JU and, and, and everything else, you know. But what, what we're, what we're going to do, we're going to bring you back, 
You know, well, we have a lot to talk about with football, you know, but hopefully we'll bring you back before the season's over. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, but, but I think your, your insight your insight is important, and I think we should uh, bring we'll, – we de- we're definitely going to bring you back on uh, because I know the housing recovery in Florida uh, is going to continue on, and, you know, with your governor making strides to bring business to the state, uh, I believe that it's going to help a lot of Florida residents not only get jobs, but also get out of this mess. And I think that's a big thing. Okay, so Rob, just uh, lay it on us. Uh, How can people follow you on uh, Twitter, Facebook? And we know about your book. Um, Just just lay it out. Uh, My Twitter, uh, it's at I underscore am, A-M underscore R-O-B-B-O. I underscore am underscore Robbo. Uh, so that's the Twitter at I am Robbo, uh, and 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 check check me out also on uh, on Facebook at Robson Noel. Uh, R O B S O N is my first name, last name Noel. I think there are two of us. Uh, I'm I'm the, I'm the I'm the more handsome one. So, uh, oh, there you go. On, uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's only one that counts. Only one that counts. Right. That's it. That's it. But 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 Rob, I do appreciate you coming on and. You know, and just for our listeners, before we let Rob go and we go to commercial, um, 25 years old, could have went a million and one ways, chose to make his own path, and hustled, made it, is making it. He's helping other people to make it. So if you're smart and you need guidance, you need help, get in touch. Get in touch with Rob Noel. He can help you for sure. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll speak. Uh, during the week, but I want to bring you back on uh, at a later date, okay? Most definitely, Lou. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Barack Obama and Mitt Romney meet tonight for their third and final debate, and this is really the tiebreaker because Romney ran away with the first one, and most people seem to think the president edged him a little bit in the second. So this is a big debate tonight, just two weeks before the election. I think a lot of people will be watching to see who comes out ahead. That may mean a repeat of the sort of combative tone that we saw last week in the town hall debate. However, because this is about foreign policy, war, lives at stake, international issues, that may put a little bit different feel on the debate. Maybe they'll feel like they need to be a little bit more statesmanlike this time around. Another thing to watch for is Libya. Libya sparked the most dramatic moment, I think, or one of the most dramatic in the last debate. Listen for Romney to raise questions about security failures, intelligence lapses, and the administration sort of shifting account of what happened on the, during the consulate attack on Libya. Um, and Romney has the advantage of hearing Obama's response to that last week, which was a very dramatic moment in the debate. A third thing to watch for is how comfortable Romney seems just dealing with foreign policy because his experience is as a governor and a businessman, so he's stronger on domestic issues. Um, and he did get some criticism over the summer when he took a trip and made some remarks that offended a lot of British and Palestinian leaders, and he's also been criticized for maybe being a little too hasty last month when he jumped in with his comments about the chaotic events in the Middle East and Libya. A fourth thing to look at is how well Obama defends his four years in charge of U.S. foreign policy. He has a record to defend now, and Romney has been consistently attacking him, uh, accusing of him, him of going on a world apology tour, accusing him of, of 
weakening America's world leadership role. The fifth thing to watch for, even in a, in a very serious, heavy debate like this one, uh, there might be something fun to look out for, and that's just to listen and maybe keep an eye on Twitter to see if a new Internet meme emerges. Uh, the first debate gave us Big Bird, then we had the binders full of women, so who knows what we'll hear tonight. Being a college student with financial aid at this point, that's really it. That's what mostly has me interested. I know tonight's foreign policy, but I just really am interested about financial aid and women's rights. I think we'll see, a, see President Obama be very resolute and demonstrate repeatedly, as he has before, that he is a commander-in-chief, that he is a, a president who has restored America's diploma, diplomatic re, reputation and our ties and relationships around the world that were decimated by the previous administration. That matters when it comes to our economy and our foreign policy, because we know we live in a global economy now. Having a, a, a United States of America led by a commander-in-chief like Barack Obama, who has the influence and also has restored America's reputation worldwide is really critical for the success of the American economy. Uh, definitely concerned. You know, everybody has um, a lot of bills to pay after college, and um, it's it's nice to have college be a little bit more affordable for for students. And I'm I'm really concerned. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. Uh, we had a great guest in uh, Rob Noel. He gave us a lot of information on what's going on in uh, uh, the great state of Florida. And our next guest, he's a real estate broker from the Big Apple, New York City. And we're going to tap into his vast knowledge of uh, all types of real estate, from rental, sales, residential, commercial. And I'm going to, I'm going to say he's a power broker with Prudential Douglas Elliman. Uh, so without uh, further ado, let's uh, bring him on the show. His name is... Steve Gomez. All right, welcome to the show, Steve. How are you? Hello, Lou. I'm doing great. Glad to be on your show. No, thank you. How do you like that intro? <laughs> no, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed your first guest. Boy, for a for a young guy, he's really uh, very sharp. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the show, because with what's going on now and college students, everybody's worried about getting work after they graduate. You know, he's the guy that went out and uh, and did what he needed to do to make his own path, which is great. And now let, let's get into you, Steve. Um, you know, to tell us a little bit about you so that our listeners get better acquainted with you. I know you've been around the block and beyond, but let them know what's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like uh, I, I have a little bit in, in common with Rob in that I, I did get into the real estate business right out of college as well. Um, it worked uh, the residential market uh, for about three to five years in suburban northern New Jersey where I grew up until I was mm -hmm. able to open up my own Century 21 office, which I uh, ran uh, myself for about 12 years. We had uh, two offices, 60 agents, uh, and then sold that firm to move into New York City. Um, so we got involved in uh, Manhattan real estate, and uh, I really loved it. It's just, a, you know, the Big Apple is just an awesome place to uh, work and live. Well, well, did you find it to, to be a big transformation from, from building up and having your own Century 21 uh, brokerage to now uh, being in line with Prudential Element? 
Well, you know, when I first came into the city, um, I didn't, uh, I wasn't with Prudential uh, Douglas Elliman. Matter of fact, I came into the city. Actually, I came in. Uh, unfortunately, in the uh, on the eve of 9/11, I was running a, a dot com called Moving dot com. I was bringing real estate to that um, that business model. Uh, when and when, of course, we obviously all know what happened on September. 11 and I was happened to have been living downtown ironically working at 11 Broadway on the 11th floor uh running moving.com when that tragedy happened so I I was down there that was my introdu- introduction to um Manhattan and it was uh you know it was exciting thrilling and uh and, and traumatic at the same time so it was a a real baptism by fire if you will uh into that market um, and uh, it wasn't long after that, after we sold Moving.com, that I was running the Marcus and Millichap office in Manhattan, which is a company focused on uh, commercial investment uh, uh, properties for uh, mm-hmm. for the private client market, ma- meaning mostly the properties we dealt with were $10 million and under. So right. did that for a while, uh, went down to, to Miami, uh, where Rob is from, uh, with mm-hmm. um, CB Richard Ellis as a managing director, okay. started their restructuring practice down there. Uh, certainly, I know a little bit about the distress in that marketplace, and, and great to hear about how Miami has come back so nicely. Uh, and now I'm back in uh, Manhattan. I live uh, live in downtown Manhattan, and I'm covering the uh, residential and commercial market uh, with uh, with Element. So there's uh, there's it's been a very interesting career, and in, uh, you know, real estate's been my life. I, I love it. Well, you keep coming back to it no matter what. <laughs> you don't yeah, want to leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're with you're with a great firm. I mean, Prudential, you know, uh, Douglas Elliman. You guys, you have some real power players uh, in that company. I know. Uh, I believe uh, Dolly Lenz. She's she's with Prudential. Uh, you're you're with Prudential, and then also uh, I think Robert De Niro's son is with Prudential. So you have a lot of uh, a lot of high high profile people in that company. Which is good because you actually gives you good listings. Yeah, that's right. Raphael is actually in the, the Tribeca office with me, which is the office I'm out of. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's um, he's a fantastic broker, and, and you know, there's a lot of talented people there. It's a it's a great uh, marketplace, and uh, you know there's uh, there's a lot going on in, uh, in Manhattan. I'm excited to talk to you about it here. Yeah, let's let, let's let's start. You know, what's your view? Because we talk about Florida. We talked about what what's happening uh, with with, uh, with our last guest, and you know we they're, they're working on a recovery. You know what what the governor is doing over there is fantastic. I know that uh, in in New York, I think Bloomberg is trying to attract more um, of the Silicon Valley companies like Google and Facebook uh, to New York. I mean I don't I don't, I don't know how all that's going to work out. You know because we're not a uh, we're not that type of hub, even though we have four square downtown, but the, the the reality is is that you know New York is it's like a different planet from every other state. The real estate market in New York is different than anywhere in the United States. There's no doubt about that. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree, and, and that is the case. I mean, we we hear about you know the uh, the stress in the real estate marketplace you know across the country, and it's and and we're. You know, we're sympathetic with, you know, the plight of a lot of folks, especially as we talked about, as you talked about in the first part of your show, with the the folks who are underwater on their mortgages, owe more on their homes than those homes are worth. That, that was, that's a tough spot for for homeowners to be in. 
you know, in Manhattan, it really is an island, and it is an island unto itself. You know, we, like I said, we hear about the stress in the marketplace, but we look around that city, this this great city, New York City, and it is uh, it is uh, vibrant. Uh, there is activity uh, everywhere, and the real estate market is is just on fire. And I think if there's one thing that uh, that I could share with you about the market right now is that. Um, it is poised for uh, a real acceleration in, uh, in 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 growth in in market values, and un- unfortunately for some folks uh, who happen to be renting in in, in rental prices, because um, I, I think you're going to hear about it in the media in about six months, but right now it's it's starting right now, and we're talking about real significant. Uh, price escalations that are just starting to kick in, um, and I'd like to kind of share with you just a, um, you know, a, a, a couple of facts that I think you know really explain why this is um, poised to happen. I think the first is that we're at a we are at a seven-year low in terms of the inventory of not only uh, apartments for rent but um, properties on the market. And while we haven't really seen it yet in uh, in, in price escalations, we're starting to uh, see it uh, in, in the very early stages of uh, of uh, you know incentives disappearing for tenants. Uh, we're seeing it in um, uh, the average days on the market starting to drop. We're mm-hmm. starting to see it in. Um, it, we're beginning to start to see these price escalations I'm referring to, and, and um, we see it. It shows up in the commercial investment arena when we see people buying apartment buildings and willing to accept a return of 5.3 percent, if you will. It's mm-hmm. often referred to as a cap rate, but it's basically right. the percentage return an investor will purchase on a on an apartment building in, in Manhattan that may be worth you know 20 million and under. But that low rate of return, people say, well, 5.3%, that's not a big return for an investment in an apartment building. But what these investors are betting on and what I'm predicting and trying to share with your listeners today is that rents in New York City are about to rise significantly. Mm. Well, that's interesting because, you know, as as we allude, but we, we didn't allude, we just said it outright that Manhattan is an island unto itself. And it has its own rules and its own everything. And you know, a cap rate of five, five and a half, six. Uh, you you can you can throw that. You can make that uh, kind of. You can put that in line with a cap rate, let's say in Florida of ten or twelve. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's that equivalent. But you know, as, as you mentioned, the uh, the rental rates going up. Uh, that that's that's something that's been slowly but surely happening over the past, you know, six months, you know, because as summer rolled around, you know, people started shift shuffling around, moving into renting this, buying that. Well, not buying, but renting, moving around. But now, I mean, and again, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, that you have more people setting themselves up to buy. Now, do you think that people doing that, do you think that's going to take away from – from the rental market, or do you think that, you know, we just have such an influx in New York City that, you know, rent rates and rental rates is just going to continue to rise? 
Well, I, I think they are going to rise, and uh, I think they're going to rise significantly. I think mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I think it's really not any more complex than just simple supply and demand. When you start mm-hmm. to have, you know, vacancy uh, under 3% in Manhattan apartment buildings, you know, we're, we're, and we're starting to see the first inklings of it now where, where some of our clients coming in wanting to rent are unhappy with um, lease renewals being offered by their landlords of 20%. And they're shocked, and they start to look around at the market, and then they have an aha moment, and they realize, you know, well, may, you know, maybe 20% on my current rent is still a better deal than what I see in the marketplace now. So um, it, when you talk about the difference between what might happen in the uh, in the rental market and the sale market, I think both markets are poised for uh, significant price jumps. I think uh, we're seeing a lot more folks uh, seeing right now as a time to to consider uh, you know a purchase uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, rent, uh, just because they're they're starting to get renewal notices with 20% increases that they they uh, they're just they're it's stunning it's uh, you haven't we have not seen that in a while. And uh, so yeah, first-time home buyers who have been renting in Manhattan are are starting to think about it, and and for good reason. Yeah, and I mean that that does make a lot of sense because you know the reality is the average rent, uh, say for a one-bedroom in Manhattan, uh, let, let's I mean I know that there's a disparity between uh, being Upper West Side, Upper East Side, downtown. Well, I'll you give know, it to but, you overall. It's it's thirty-six hundred okay. bucks. 3600 bucks a month is your average rental price. Wow. And that equates to about 48 bucks per square foot. Wow, so you have yeah, so people want moving to New York City, you better you better get a roommate of two or three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's so that's those are some big numbers and um keep in mind now, think about it, to qualify for that rental, uh you need about 40 times uh, that monthly rent in annual income. So just to give it to you in easy math, let's say you're looking to rent an apartment in Manhattan for 2000 a month. You need to make $80,000 a year. Uh, that's if wow. you can find an apartment in Manhattan for $2,000 a month, that's, and there's that's, not that's, many that's of them. If. Yeah, yeah not many stu- of them. Even, yeah. even studios are roaming around the $2,500 range. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, so, uh, yeah, so they're, they're far and few between. And then especially, you know, when you when you go through Manhattan, Stephen, you, you're around there, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the trenches. So you see how you, they, uh, uh, they're they gentrifying uh, certain, you know, neighborhoods, you know, beyond Manhattan. You know, you have Brooklyn, they've done that in Williamsburg, they've done that in Red Hook in certain parts. But also in Manhattan, you know, as they're building up, you know, uh, you have Harlem and going up beyond that, both on the east and the west side, that they're actually trying to, uh, you know, build that up over there as well. And people are moving over there because, you know, it's cheaper for them now. But I don't think that's going to be forever. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, people have always said that, you know, real estate, it's about location, location, location. I'm a firm believer that while that's true, I think it's just as true to say that it's about timing, timing, timing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think right now this is a really interesting time in the marketplace I think it's a time in the marketplace the media will be reporting on in six months, looking back at this as being kind of the nexus of a of a new market. 
Um, yeah, there are a lot of exciting things going on in Manhattan, especially downtown. I, I live downtown. I, you know, despite what happened to me in 9/11, being a 9/11 survivor, I, I love the downtown market. I just find it really interesting. Uh, really nice mix of uh, of artists and professionals. Happen to live in the financial district, and that for a long time has been considered a way to get a little bit of a better deal, if you will, in uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the form of. Uh, of rents and, and rents are a little bit lower uh, in the uh, in the financial district, but, uh, but what you're seeing on the lower uh, on the uh, Hudson Yards the development on the west side of Manhattan is um, just creating a, a real uh, influx in in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that is just mm-hmm. really going to drive prices. I mean, you mentioned Google. You know, mm-hmm. for a lot of people uh, who may not be familiar with it, the Condé Nast just signed a huge lease in uh, in One World Trade, formerly referred to as the Freedom Tower. I'm glad they changed that name. I think One World oh. Trade sounds better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, there, this is what's going on in, in downtown Manhattan and in the city as a whole. Um, it's not really showing up in the numbers yet. I predict it's about to really kick in in a big way, and I think the big driver for the uh, price jumps uh, on the uh, sales per square foot and the rental prices, the big driver, as I mentioned before, I, it really is, comes down to just simple supply and demand. Well, I, I think, you know, we, and I said it before, and you, you re-mentioned it, you know, with uh, Bloomberg, what he's looking to do is drive, you know, more tech companies to Manhattan. You know, you, you have Foursquare. Um, I know they're downtown. That's not Tribeca. I forget what area that is. They're down there. Okay. Um, then you have Google. They're 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 on uh, they're they're on 8th Avenue. You have uh, Facebook. They're here and they're looking to generate more jobs. They're looking to bring more to the table. So you know when people people if if you have a tech person that's going to go work at Google, you know what they kind of like want to live in a city. So they're taking one apartment off the market. You know, so uh, I think that supply is going to get a lot tighter. If that should happen, I think someone, you know, with uh, Bloomberg's uh, history, I think if he puts his mind to it and he wants to get it done, it's going to be done. So yeah, um, I, know. I think he's done a yeah. good job as mayor. I mean, I know a lot of people have his detractors with the 16 ounce limits on soft drinks and all that kind of goofy stuff, but I, I think he's done a good job. And uh, I think tech, you 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 rightfully point out, is uh, something he's really fostered with. Uh, with some uh, tax credits and giving some incentives for these companies, and there's there's now thousands of uh, web tech startups in uh, Manhattan and being incubated. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that we should mention that we're uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, that is contributing to this um, this uh, kind of supply and demand uh, function really uh, skewing to or a lack of. Lack of supply right now is the foreign is the foreigners coming in. When I say foreign, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Chinese nationals and the uh, they're coming in by the thousands to attend NYU, mm-hmm. and uh, they're coming in. They're you know I I live in a in a beautiful apartment building in, in downtown Manhattan and. Uh, and now it's it's uh, you really see a lot of these uh, uh, young, fresh-faced uh, Asian students coming in, and they've and their parents have paid a year's rent up front to get them in without uh, without too much uh, without too much trouble. 
Uh, you're, they're coming in buying apartments for cash. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, wealth that's been created by what's gone on in this uh, global economy. China's obviously profited from uh, the manufacturing uh, outsourcing that has uh, unfortunately gone on in our country, and and um, and they're and they're coming back in the form of uh, investments in Manhattan real estate. Well, and you mentioned NYU, you know that's uh, downtown. You know, mentioned Columbia, that's uptown, and you take those two schools and you kind of you kind of suck up a lot of the availabilities throughout the city. Yeah, there's uh, there's no there's no doubt. Uh, yet, you know, your average student really, I mean, you you, t- you look at an average rental price of uh, thirty six hundred bucks in in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and most college kids can't afford that, and understandably so. So, w- we work with those folks. Uh, we work with students in a way that we get you know, um, you know, uh, one bedrooms that we can effectively turn into two with temporary walls. A lot of the landlords have been. Uh, have been uh, understanding about that as long as it's done right. So mm-hmm. we're putting, you know, uh, two college-age um, uh, kids in, in these apartments and uh, trying to make it more affordable for them. Uh, you brought up Bloomberg. He is really kind of trying to spur initiative in development of what he's calling uh, micro-apartments. These are, um, you know, uh, development of small apartments. We're talking, you know, 300 square feet, Right. Uh, as a way to provide a more affordable housing for some of the young folks who are such an important driver in, in the economy for the reasons we've been talking about. And, and stuff, something like that for a developer that would do that or the city would do it, it would definitely be a money-making venture because, you know, because uh, it's not going to be that cheap to live there. That's right. You know, when I, uh, you know, when I first came back, uh, from Miami to uh, Manhattan, I was in a, a small studio on Grove Street in the West Village. I've always mm-hmm. loved the West Village. It's uh, it's just a real fun place to live. There's so much going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was in 500 square feet, um, paying 2,700. You know, great area, but uh, it's a little tough to wrap your mind around living in 300 square feet. But you know, I think if you know, uh, Bloomberg puts the right incentives in place for proper development and design. These micro apartments could, you know, very well be a, uh, you know, viable uh, option for renters in the future. Well, especially for students, you know, that need, you know, just some way to hang their hat, and and that's what it comes down to. They're going to school, you know. You don't. I mean, NYU does have housing because they 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 have bought a lot of the buildings. I know around. Uh, Around where NYU, any any uh, NYU campuses, they buy the buildings around there to to generate you know uh, housing for their students. You know, and Columbia, I know they're doing they've done something different. They don't they don't build the housing. They're building more educational facilities, which you know the surrounding areas where wherever they expand to, you know those apartments start getting filled up quickly. Yes, you know, so, absolutely, yeah. I yeah. think that's a so, big driver. Housing has been a big driver in their recent push for, um, you know, development uh, in and around the, uh, you know, the Greenwich Village campus, which is going to be mammoth, and uh, it really mm-hmm. looks like it's on track to happen. Um, I think it's going to transform um, Greenwich Village 
you know, there's going to be some good points and 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 some downside to it. You know, we're mm-hmm. very, very, very much opposed uh, by um, a lot of the longtime residents of Greenwich Village. But I think in the mm-hmm. long run, I think it'll be a good thing. Uh, but certainly a 20-year development project that's just about to get started in that area. Well, that's going to be interesting. Let me ask you uh, your opinion, Steve. Um, you know, in you know real estate, I, I brought it up to Rob uh, in our last segment, and we talked about it. He mentioned the number of real estate brokers and agents throughout the United States. The, the number is mind-boggling. Okay. Let me ask you your opinion. You know, I mean, I know in New York City, Manhattan itself, you have you have a lot of agents, you have people, you know, with the uh, residential and commercial, and we re- we really didn't get too much in the commercial uh, today, but I, I want you to I want to bring you on another time to really get into it, sure, because you know, I think we we need to touch on that, but uh, also I just want to touch on this. Now, do you think that um, that you have enough agents out there that are truly educated? in the real estate market to uh to really guide um renters or or people that are looking to uh buy a condo or a co-op or something do you think they have enough um i guess enough uh well informed and and I'm just going to use a word that I can't pick another word but educated uh real estate agents and brokers that would be able to to guide them because you know if you're not if you're not educated in in that in that realm it makes it harder for for someone looking for something I think yeah yeah I agree and I think that in no small part attributes to some negative experiences uh folks have as they deal with people who aren't as professional as they should be because they just haven't been mm-hmm. trained like uh, like they should and that's been kind of a a uh, uh, a topic of concern in the industry, gosh, since I've gotten into it, uh, you know, some f- companies do a better job of training uh, their agents uh, than others, and it's just the the nature of uh, of the industry. Um, uh, from what I've seen, obviously, I'm coming into um, element with uh, with a lot of experience, but I, I got a firsthand look at their training program, and they and they and they take it seriously. Uh, other folks, uh, other firms, um, don't have the same resources. It's just a uh, just a fact, and and, the, and their mm-hmm. education programs and the training programs just aren't as comprehensive. I, it doesn't mean that the responsibility for uh, being a professional is not uh, lifted from the agent. He's responsible for his own career. That's the nature of this business. And, and there are there are resources, there are training programs independent of, of firms that uh, these folks can reach out to. Um, you know, I worked for for several companies as a market leader, and I was responsible for the training programs, and I, and I took great pride in that, and I know what a difference they can make in a real estate professional's life if he gets good training, really elevates the profession, the professional uh, uh, appearance of the whole industry, and it really makes it for a better experience for, for the clients. So I agree with you. It is it is critical. Uh, to be candid, it, it, you're not going to find the same level of professionalism in every agent. Uh, and to uh, answer your question specifically, there's certainly enough agents to cover uh, the demand in Manhattan, uh, the professionalism. Y- you may have to be a little bit more selective, but uh, but it's, uh, it's out there. There's there's a good group of professionals that I work with. 
Yeah, and that's that's the reason I said that because I think that uh, if someone's going to to buy or rent, you know, I think that if it, with the money that they're paying for this, that they should have someone that has a good handle on what's going on um, to help them. You know, because if you don't, then how are you helping them? Well, you know, and what's going to happen, you're going to find out real quick, if you don't have a good agent, you're not going to get the apartment. There is such a competition right now in Manhattan for units, whether you're renting or buying, that uh, you, if you don't have a good agent, you're not going to get the deal done. It's just not going to happen. So that's going to become painfully uh, apparent as you go through the process. Well, and I think that's a key point, you know, especially when competition, and I'm going to call it competition, rises uh, when you're, you're looking at rent in New York City itself. And, again, this kind of, you know, spills over into the surrounding areas of Brooklyn and, and other parts of New York City as well because they're starting to adapt the same, uh, I guess, the same uh, uh, rules and that they that they have uh, kind of set in stone in New York City. They're starting to do that in other parts of uh, New York itself, which is interesting. Yeah, true, and 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 the same issues are are existing in the outer boroughs as exist in Manhattan in in, uh, in terms of supply and demand. The market is getting very tight. We're at a seven-year low in inventory for both rentals and uh, sale units uh, throughout New York City, and that includes the boroughs. So you're you're uh, guaranteed that if you're looking at an apartment, you're interested in it, you're going to have competition. So uh, here's some tips for your listeners as to ways to kind of uh, give you a leg up on on the competition. Uh, get pre-approved for financing. Uh, get your paperwork in order if you're renting. Uh, get your applications complete. Uh, get your bank statements together. Uh, get your references together. Uh, get all that stuff ready. Do the math. Understand that you need 40 times uh, uh, your monthly rent in annual income, and that's that's going to be a guide for what price range you should be looking at. Uh, review your credit. Pull your credit. Know your credit score. These are all the kinds of things that you can do as a as a buyer or prospective renter to uh, be ready when the opportunity comes. Because I I promise you, if you're at an opportunity and you're not ready, someone else will be. Yeah, and that 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 is a fact, and that's why you made mention if you're going to get a an agent, a broker to help you, and and I'm just saying it, you know, get someone that is well-informed, get someone that knows what they're doing because in this tight market, you're going to need someone to guide you. And then, look, at the end of the day, you know, and I, I said it earlier, I'm interested in facts, not fiction. Okay, and the fact of the matter is if you're paying for a service, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pay the money, then you get the best that you can get for your money. And then that's what it comes down to. That's right. I mean, um, yeah. in the final analysis, you know, people are using the brokerage community because they they need their help to get the job done, and uh, it, so it, it's the it's the same fee regardless. You might as well get somebody good, and uh, and, and 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 you know, recommendations, track record, and your own personal experience. You keep your ears and eyes open, and it, it'll become apparent who the professional is and who the professional is not. Uh, no doubt about it. Now, Steve, for our listeners out there that may be looking to um, 
to, to rent or buy thing, buy uh, an apartment or condo or co-op in uh, Manhattan, you know, uh, why don't you let them know how they can reach out to you? Sure. I'm going to make it easy. The easiest way to get a hold of me is, is on Twitter, and from there you'll get my phone number. You can get my links to uh, Facebook and my uh, and my uh, websites and so forth. Um, my Twitter, uh, at Twitter, I am Stephen Gomez NYC. Nice and easy. That's Stephen Very with nice. a V. That's nice and easy for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's Stephen with a V. Stephen Gomez NYC on Twitter. Well, there you go. Go find... Uh, you know, uh, Steve Gomez, go uh, to Twitter, Stephen Gomez, or at Stephen Gomez. You have the little at thing, uh, at yeah, symbol at there. Uh, Stephen Gomez, uh, NYC. Got to have the NYC there, too. At Stephen Gomez, NYC. I forgot that. You know, but definitely uh, I urge our listeners to, you know, to find out more about Stephen. You know, he's a top dog at Prudential Douglas Elliman. Uh, you know, he's been, been around the block doing this uh, time and time again. And as I said, if you're going to pay for someone's services, you know what? You might as well get the best that you can get and deal with a professional because, you know, I say this all the time. Real estate is about building relationships. And if you, if someone is just out there looking to make a quick buck, they're not helping you. They're not helping <laughs> you. Get, get, get someone like Steve Gomez that can actually help you. Okay. And with that said, we're going to take a break. Uh, Steve, I want you to stay with me, okay? Okay. I like their size. I love their texture. Their shape. Feel. They complete me. Big, small, it doesn't matter. Yes, I like boobies. Love boobies. Yes, I love boobies. Yes, I love boobies. I love boobs. Most of us know someone who's been affected by breast cancer. My friend. My piano teacher. My sister. My aunt. My teacher. My two aunts. My aunt, I beat breast cancer. We can beat this together. Show the world how much you care. And join us in the fight. Because it's more than just boobs. It's life. UCI will ban Lance Armstrong from cycling, and UCI will strip him of his seven Tour de France titles. Lance Armstrong has no place in cycling. UCI will also recognize the sanctions imposed upon the riders who testified against Lance Armstrong. UCI indeed thanks them for telling their stories. UCI likewise has nothing to hide in responding to the USADA report. And that is also the purpose of today's press conference. And to inform you that the UCI has called a special meeting of the UCI Management Committee next Friday to discuss this report and the measures which the UCI wishes to put in place in order that we, were n we are never faced with such a situation in the future. Home sales activity was at an annual pace of $4.8 with a median home price of $187,000. That's up 9.5% from the same time last year. According to Freddie Mac, the national average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to 3.49%, a new historic low. DDP Yoga. It ain't your mama's yoga. <laughs> Over the last 12 years, I've developed this amazing program I now call DDP Yoga. 
specifically to strengthen and heal my own body. It's the only reason I was able to wrestle in the ring well over 15 years and three world championships. And now, I want to bring this amazing workout to you, and it will change the way you think about the word yoga. DDP Yoga is all about zero impact, kick-ass cardio, increased flexibility, and core strength conditioning. It's like nothing you have ever seen or done before. DDP Yoga. It ain't your mama's yoga. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. And we had a couple of great guests on the show, no doubt about it. Uh, we had uh, we had Rob. Uh, he was from uh, Miami. And then we had Steve from New York. They both gave... Uh, their perspectives or their view, their experiences, you know, from from one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it all came down to, in the world of real estate, uh, supply and demand, okay, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, from the short sales or from rentals or whatever you're, you're, whatever you're uh, looking at, uh, it's a supply and demand issue, you know, so we should, as uh, Stephen said, uh, Steve Gomez said uh, we should be seeing uh, a lot of increases in uh, the great state of New York, well, actually the city of New York, uh, the Big Apple itself, uh, as more um, more rentals get taken and more people are buying and you have uh, an influx of students coming into NYU and Columbia, so they'll be taking on um, you know the apartments there. And then it's also downtown, uh, downtown Manhattan, you have uh, the World Trade Center uh, being built, and when that's occupied, you're going to have the area, and that, that for a number of years, probably for, for, for the past decade since 9-11, uh, that area, you know, called the Financial District, district of FIDI, uh, has been uh, slightly depressed compared to uh, the rest of the city. However, uh, I believe that it's going to change. And I do agree with Steve on uh, on a number of points that you know rental rates will go up. But I also have to stress this: if you are looking to go rent, buy whatever you even if you're selling uh, something in New York City, well, Florida, anywhere, you, you can be in Idaho. Uh, if you're looking to do any of that, do yourself a favor: uh, get a true professional, someone that is uh, well versed. And, and that in that market, and real estate within itself, that can actually hold your hand and guide you uh, if you're doing this, especially if you're a first-time home buyer, condo buyer, or if you're, you're just getting out there trying to rent something. At least they can give you the guidance that you're looking for so you're not spinning your wheels, okay? As uh, Rob Noel uh, stated, you know, people are running around trying to – purchase houses in uh, Miami and, and in that area, um, and they're running around. They're, they're too late to the game. They get everything in order, and it's hard for them to get stuff done. So uh, just get yourself someone on your side. Get yourself a true professional, and um, if you do that, I think that you'll be on your way to some great, um, some great things, uh, in, again, in real estate and your rental uh, pursuits. Okay, with that said, uh, I'm going to leave you with this. If you want to follow Rob Noel, okay, he's uh, the author of The Ultimate Guide to the First 
time home buying, and it's a it's a great it's a great read. And he is also, as he mentioned, he's willing to mentor if you reach out. So if you buy it and you reach out to him, he's willing to give you a mentor as you're going to go and do your first time home buying uh, uh, deal. Um, doesn't matter where you are in the United States, he'll guide you. He does stuff on an international basis. Okay, uh, Steve Gomez, follow him uh, on Twitter. He's with Potential Douglas Elliman, and he, um, I am calling him a, a top dog over there. He's a top broker. Uh, he's been around the block and beyond, and he's continue to, continuing to do stuff. And in New York City, he's one of those guys that you kind of want to work with because he does bring a lot of knowledge to the table. And, again, if you're going to pay for something, just pay for the best. And with that said, we'll be back with you next uh, Monday, 7 o'clock, and uh, we'll have some other great guests. We will be announcing the guests um, uh, probably midweek, and then you'll see who's on there. We're going to have some finance uh, professionals on the show, so we'll be talking about the stock market. And tonight, 9 o'clock, remember the president, I don't have to remind you, get the presidential debate going on. So that's something you want to keep uh, tabs on as well. Hopefully they keep the uh, they keep the gloves on this time. Okay, and we'll be back next week. Money Never Sleeps, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word, it's good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, brass, brass.